appreciate that. Man, what a truth. So glad you gave. Boy, and I just sit and think of, of my father and I think of others who gave. They gave themselves. They, they gave of their time. They gave of their principles. They gave. And I'm a life that has changed. And boy, I believe we could apply that in many, many different ways. Thank you, Brother Danny. Appreciate it. Come get your water, brother. You might drink that. Yeah, you get cold. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> amen, amen. Well, uh, on Mother's Day, uh, we talked about the fact that, you know, we have our individual mothers, but that there were Bible talks in Timothy about church mothers. And so Brother Danny preached and we uh, gave honor towards uh, Miss Ellistine and the role that she had played in the church. And so on Father's Day, I wanted to keep with the same thing. Of course, I had scheduled uh, both Brother Rick and Brother Danny uh, beforehand. Um, but whenever you look at Marlbrook Baptist Church, I just I, I watch the service. Just watching the service this morning. We are so blessed. Oh, my goodness. We are so blessed. You see the families. You see the men. You see the women of the church. You see the faithfulness. We are so blessed. God has been so good to us. And I just, I sit up here and watch this church, and I feel so unworthy to be leading a group of people as awesome as y'all. God has blessed us with a phenomenal church. And I, I thank the Lord for it. Whenever you find a church that in the church you have families that are third and fourth generation, in the church, and some, some even more than that. But this church has many families. That third and fourth generation children are serving in the church. This gives testimony that this is a church that had some mothers and some fathers that invested in the church. And boy, I'm telling you what, there are many people who are sitting in the congregation this morning who you are the mothers and the fathers of this church. You have a bigger impact and are making a bigger influence than you probably even realize yourself. And God is blessed us to have role models in this church that our young people can look up to and follow after. But we wanted to take and recognize some of those church mothers, the church fathers, and uh, there's no way that we are elevating these people above the rest of you. It's just the ones that we have chosen because they have people that preach for their kids. And so, um, but uh, uh, Miss Ellistine, we recognized her. And Brother Rick, uh, his father, Morris Ramsey. I never had that privilege of meeting Morris Ramsey. But I feel like I know the kind of man that he was. And how do I know that? And that's because of the legacy. Here this morning, his daughter, Miss Bonnie, led the children's choir. His son, Brother Randy, led the, led the, the service. And his son, Brother Rick, is going to preach the message. That's a legacy to leave behind. I never was privileged to meet Brother Morris Ramsey, but I can know by watching his children and the other children that aren't part of our church who visit that I've got to know by knowing his children, by knowing his grandchildren, by hearing the stories of those of you who maybe aren't related to him, who, what you have told me about the investment that Morris Ramsey made in this church. I believe with all of my heart that part of the reason I'm pastoring an awesome church is because of men like Morris Ramsey who invested in the work of the Lord. And so, Brother Rick, I don't want to steal all your thunder, but it is a privilege to have you come and stand here and preach. And brother, I thank you. Happy Father's Day to you. Amen. Thank you, brother. Bless you, brother. God bless you. I am honored, overwhelmed, and thirsty. <laughs> I'm a diabetic. Yeah, you're going to have to restock. Diabetics get thirsty. I also get fat. But I am. I'm honored honored 
to uh, have been asked to speak today. So much on my heart. I'm thankful to have three of, four, three of my four sons here with us today. Nick had to work or he would have been here, and they honor me. And, of course, this church honors me in so many ways by supporting me and encouraging me and you put up with me for, I don't know, 10 or so years, and uh, I'm, I love you and I thank God for you. Uh, I'm honored to have uh, family members, Wade's good to see you, and Lyle, good to see you, and goodness, we had a whole bunch of family in this place this morning, but we're all family, Amen. part of the family of God. Thank God for you. Proverbs 20 and verse 7 says, the just man walketh in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. Come across that verse the other day, and I thought, man, that, that is, just speaks to me, a righteous man, a just man, who walks in his integrity, his children then are blessed after him, and I qualify as one of those children. I want to speak to you today. With my dad as my illustration, a message from Job chapter 1, so you can turn there, entitled, Dad, You're Needed. But before I do that, let me give you a quick update while you're turning on uh, Dino Padrone Ministries, which I am working uh, with and through right now. Uh, we just got approval and or will be beginning this fall, Dino or excuse me, Padrone Ministry College, which is an online college. And the uniqueness of this online college will be mentorship, where each student will be assigned a mentor of somebody who's been down the road a ways and who can speak into their life and encourage them. And they asked me to be the number one mentor to begin this thing and I was uh, so honored with that. So I appreciate your prayers for that. Also, I still raise funds for uh, Myanmar and the mission over there. And as it is typical in the summertime, uh, I am ready right now to send our funds. Actually, we'll be doing it in like the 10th of July, something like that. And uh, we are behind. So if you would, just mark that down and pray about it. Uh, I need uh, uh, probably between $1,000 and $1,500 to be able to get them uh, what they need. And I know God's going to supply it, but would you pray about that? And then, uh, thank God, my schedule, he's allowed me to preach last Sunday up in Natural Bridge Station. Uh, uh, another cousin of mine, Cole Fitzgerald, was there, and uh, we had one saved in that service. And and I tell you, when somebody gets saved under your preaching and I knelt at the altar with him and prayed the sinner's prayer with him, there is nothing more exciting than that. And I thank God for that. This week, I was over in Taze Valley, West Virginia at the Taze Valley Jubilee. Enjoyed that tremendously. Heard Kenny Baldwin preach, you young people need to go. Uh, he had COVID real bad, about died, lost his legs in a great way. He sat and preached, but powerful he is. And while I was there, they have the preachers introduce themselves, and a lady come up to me 
uh, and she said, would you send my love to the people at Marlbrook Baptist Church? Her name is Elizabeth Snell. Some of y'all remember Elizabeth. Her husband got saved. They're in a good church up in the Pigeon Forge, Knoxville area, and they, they love you. And they sent the regards, and I said, I'll make sure that I mention that and uh, thank God for it. And now to my message out of Job chapter 1. Let's stand. I'm going to read one verse. You've been sitting a few minutes, and uh, then uh, I will share the message on my heart. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect, upright, one that feared God, and eschewed evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege. And now, Lord, uh, calm my nerves and give me the energy, give me the ability, uh, the anointing, uh, the enablement that can only come from you to touch hearts. And Lord, help me to first honor this church and these people, or not first, but today I honor them, and then primarily honor my Savior, the Lord Jesus, and then my dad, and we thank you for him. I pray you bless the word to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. There he stands in my memory as I think with awe. A giant of a man, well, he's 10 feet tall. When I, as a boy, in my memory I see as I see my giant dad hovering over me. There he stands, so firm and so strong. He casts a shadow a hundred miles long. No, he was not all that large physically, but he stands that tall in the memory I see. There he stands, so young and so bold. He demanded respect throughout the household. The grip of his hand would oft cause me pain. Yet love for us all was his lifestyle refrain. There he stands with age-wrinkled brow. And I wondered then as I wonder now, could I ever be like this man before me? Could I ever stand tall and faithful as he? There he stands so righteous and tall the most godly man that ever I saw. Oh, yes, sometimes I thought he was mean, but I knew in my heart that his heart was clean. How can I do it? How can I be like this righteous man in my memory I see? As I ponder it now, a new sight comes to me. There stands a man with Bible in hand. In my memory now, this wonderful man. That's it, I think. That is the key. It's the book in his hand that can make me like he. Wrote that some years ago for Father's Day, and it still speaks to me today. Many of you are aware of my crusade against the positive use of the word pride, proud, or boast. There's no positive mention of those words in your Bible unless you're bragging on Jesus. 
the psalmist did say, I'll make my boast in the Lord. Pride is one of the seven deadly sins which God hates. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. And I'm still against using the word pride and proud in any positive way. Obviously, maybe somebody, some of you who are watching online or listening here don't have the same opinion. You can be wrong if you want. <laughs> you say, how are you going to stand here and talk about your dad without pride? Well, I'm humbled to be the son of Marsh Ramsey, but I'm not proud of it. I'm thankful for it, but I do not boast of it. Why? Well, the obvious reason is I had nothing to do with it. I didn't choose it. As a matter of fact, there were times as a child, I wished I was the son of anybody else's family <laughs> but Marsh Ramsey's. But enough about the woodshed and the privy patch and the work. I'm not proud to be the son of Marsh Ramsey. Sometimes I was envious of some of my relatives and some other people who lived a little differently than we did, had a little more means than we did. I'm not proud, but I am humbled, and I am thankful. Today, as I look back, I am blessed to have been born in the family that I was born in. Now notice this text. There was a man whose name was Job. There was a man that jumped out at me. There was a man. He was a sinner. Say, how do you know Job was a sinner? Because the Bible later says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How do you know Job was a sinner? Job one time said, uh, Oh, wretched man, I re repent in dust and ashes. Sinners repent. Job admitted to his sin. My dad was a sinner as well. He was born 100 years ago tomorrow. Isn't that amazing? He was born on June 19th. 1923, 100 years ago tomorrow. Amazing. He was the middle son, I guess I can say this, of six boys and five, he had five sisters. It was a big family. I called Bonnie or text Bonnie yesterday just to make sure I hadn't forgot one or two of them uh, because it was a big family. They were born... Uh, on Montebello Mountain. And uh, many of you have been there and know a, a lot about it. Uh, he grew up poor. I don't know where the term poor is Job's turkey come from because Job had some wealth. Maybe it was a reference to later when everything was gone. But I think my daddy's family was poor as Job's turkey to use the vernacular. They lived poor up in the mountain. They didn't have a Christian heritage as well. Now, my grandpa, Simon Ramsey, became a Christian some years later and sort of began a Christian heritage, but 
When Dad grew up, there was no Christian heritage. Now, I know there may have been some belief and some faith and some people became Christians, but Dad didn't grow up that way. He was a sinner. Uh, as a teenager, he rode a horse down the mountain from Montebello. You say, why didn't he ride a car? Because he didn't have no car. He rode, and I believe it was an old white horse that he told. He rode it down the mountain to Marlbrook. Yeah, to Marlbrook on the river where my mother lived to court her. I suspect that was his first interaction with Marlbrook Baptist Church because mom at nine years old became a Christian, and I am sure that she insisted that he go to church with her. And so that may have been his first interaction with the church, but he was not a Christian. They got married in 1941 and moved into a room over Natural Bridge Station Hotel. If you've never been there, you ought to go. It's a ghost town now. I mean, immediately, if you can find it, it's hard to find, isn't it? If you can find it, Go over there and drive around. The old hotel's still there. The store's still there. You can peek in the windows. I mean, it's like the rapture happened in 1950s and they all left, but it's still there. But they moved into a room up above that grocery store and they lit. Some of y'all, when you heard me say Natural Bridge Hotel, you thought, well, that's pretty good living. I said, not Natural Bridge Hotel, but. Uh, uh, Natural Bridge Station Hotel, a little bit different. And so there they started. They didn't stay there long. One time they moved into a chicken house for a while. You say, why in the world would they do that? Somebody made Daddy mad. I told you he was a sinner. And, and uh, somebody made him mad, and he moved out, and he moved into the chicken house for a while. I understand the temper part of it. I saw it down then. I'm saying to you, he was a sinner. 1942, my oldest brother Philip was born. And uh, also in uh, uh, that same year, WW2, actually in 41, was born. And so he was a part of that. He worked at a sawmill in the same lot where he's now buried. Yeah, Glasgow Cemetery one time was a sawmill there. You know how they got back and forth to work? Remember, they didn't have a car even up until then. They walked to Natural Ridge Station, which by my calculations is probably five, six, seven miles every day. Work on a sawmill. And the brothers would walk home together. Uh, I don't know how they did it, but they had good legs, I guess. He loved the sawmill. I'll get to that in a minute. As I said, in 1942, my oldest brother was born, and off to World War II, Dad went. Dad didn't talk much, much about them days. He didn't want to. We'd ask him, did you ever shoot anybody, Dad? You know, we kids, we had our little shoot-em-ups and played like that and said, Dad, we, we saw them in war movies. Dad, did you ever shoot anybody? 
He didn't want to talk about that. He'd bow his head and say, I shot at people. I shot like everybody else, but who knows who hit who. That was basically all he would say about it. But during World War II, his sinfulness did come out. He began to smoke. I don't know, maybe he began earlier. He began to drink, drank so, so prevalently that he became a very opposed to alcohol use of any kind. When he got older, the doctor said, you need to drink a beer because your kidneys, it'll help flush out your kidneys. Some of y'all maybe have done that. And he would not do it because he said, I believe I was a borderline alcoholic back then and I wouldn't want to start something I couldn't stop. And so he wouldn't even do that. But that was later. Back then he was a sinner. I'm saying to you, he was a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned. There's not a one of us in here that do not qualify as a sinner. But he was also a saint. There was a man in the land of us, and by the way, I don't know where us it was. Some, there's a lot of debate about where it was, and I'm, Pastor John probably knows exactly where it is. He just come from over that way. Uh, he could tell us, but I don't know where it was, and if I did ever knew, know where it was, I've forgotten it by now. You ever realize that you've forgotten most of what you've learned? It's just that way. Anyway, there was a man from the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect. Perfect. He was a saint. Upright, the word means. Uh, justified, we might declare it. He, he was a man of God. It says that he feared God. How did a man in the land of us in a time of the world where there was no Bible? I mean, this was pre-Moses, more than likely. No Bible around, but he feared God because God's not dependent on this book. This is his word. But he can say by the power of the Spirit of God. And Job obviously was a believer. He was converted. Um, Job 19 and verse 25 says, I know Job said this. In that time, before the Redeemer came, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that I shall stand uh, in the latter time upon the earth. And though after my... Uh, though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. How in the world could he have written that before Jesus was ever heard of? Because the Spirit of God spoke it to him and gave it to him. Thank God for the Spirit of God. And he was a converted man. And thank God for salvation, amen? I said all of us in here are sinners. I don't know if all of us in here are saved or not. I hope you are. In 1950, there was a tent meeting. I don't know where the tent meeting was. I know we had a tent meeting in the 70s up at the Carnival Grounds. I thought about that. Rolling Rafine. We had a tent meeting over there before I was pastor here. But... Uh, I don't know where this tent meeting was. 
I don't know the results of the tent meeting overall. I don't know how many people were saved at that tent meeting or helped at that tent meeting, but I know this, Marsh Ramsey was saved at a tent meeting in 1950. Well, a loan from his father, Simon Ramsey, $3,000, he went and bought 36 acres in Fairfield with a house on it and set out to raise his family. He didn't pay that off until about 1990-something. That's the way people lived back then. He didn't have nothing either. We didn't have anything either. And he began to have a family. He was not only converted, but the Bible says here of Job, he eschewed evil. That means he hated it. He avoided it. He didn't want to be a part of it. Um, he eschewed it. Now, I could tell you a lot of things, and Randy could too, and Bonnie could too, Buck could too if he was here. We weren't allowed to have playing cards in the house. I said this last night over at the carnival. We were hanging out at the bingo stand. Wouldn't have been no, none of that going on in my daddy's house. Shoot, we weren't even allowed to go to the carnival. Uh, and if we went, we got chicken and went home. I mean, we didn't have any problem with chicken, amen? <laughs> uh, they were okay with chicken. Now, I'm not saying they was right about it. not saying I agreed with it. I used to have some real arguments with Dad. I say arguments. He said that I would argue with the fence post and hit it because it wouldn't argue back. <laughs> I, I don't know if he's the one that said that. You'll have to ask him if, what he meant by that. But I used to argue with, Dad, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? But if it was anywhere on the border, he wasn't letting us do it. He eschewed evil. He hated it. He knew that he had a responsibility to us children that we would grow up and honor God with our life. And so he guarded us and taught us we had family devotions, all of that, all the time. He prayed for us, just like Job prayed for his kids. He sacrificed for us. Interesting, Job made sacrifices again for way back. Of course, Adam and Eve made sacrifices, or God did. But here's Job. He's sacrificing for his kids just in case they'd sin. I mean, that's what he did. That's what a father does, guys. We pray for our children. We take them to worship. Boy, he insisted on that. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible school, revival. Not only our revivals. Man, it's some stories about coming down off of Montebello Mountain, going to Mount Perrin's revivals. And them old cars, we finally had a car. Them old cars coming down them mountain, and the brakes would get hot, and you'd start smelling them, and and good thing we had just been to church because we was all prayed, prayed up, ready to pray our way down the mountain. Seemed like to me that car sped up by the time we got to the bottom. Dad had some convictions. Job had some convictions. Dad wasn't perfect. Job wasn't either. He was going to find out about his imperfections as time went along. By the way, you can be a wonderful, God-honoring Christ-like servant of Christ, even if you're not perfect. We get the idea, oh, I don't chew, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't run with those that do. I am good. You need to go read your Bible some more. We're filthy, vile, dirty, rotten sinners. 
just hanging on to Jesus and trusting him to enable us. But when you got a role as a father, you're going to have some convictions. And so he raised us as best he could to protect us from evil. Job was a servant. Again, there's so much here. But verse 8, it says, The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? So Job was a servant of God. That involved a lot of things. But the Bible says that Job was such a servant that God bragged on him. Now, if God brags on you, that's all right. If, if you Kids brag on you, yeah. but if you brag on yourself, that ain't good. But if God brags on you, God bragged on Job, if you considered my servant, servant of God. For the next 54 years of my dad's life, from 1950 till 2004 when he went to heaven, he served God. And so much I could say about that. So much other people could say about that. He was a song leader. <laughs> oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me and I knew him. And all my love is to him. Uh, Y'all know the rest of it. <laughs> That's the way he led singing. He, he had the book in his hand, or his hymn book. He's a song leader. He's Sunday school superintendent. He served as a deacon. He was a head deacon for many years. I don't know what a head deacon does except lay their head on the block all the time, get their head chopped off. So if we got to go find a deacon, let's go find the head deacon. He was that. I don't know where we come up with some of this stuff. But anyway, he was. He served as treasurer. He once sold a cow because there was 90-some dollars missing in the checkbook. Uh, and and he, he couldn't find the dollar figure. He said, i got to make it balance. Oh, he worked. He worked all night long to balance two pennies together, but he sold a cow one time so that he could put the money in to balance the checkbook. That's an honorable man. He was a treasurer for many years. Um, saw him many times sitting with an old-fashioned calculator, you know, the kind you pulled the handle down, adding up figures, getting ready for the business meetings. But his greatest service was to his family. If you read this passage, it says, And there were born unto him, that is Job, seven sons and three daughters. His substance was also, and we list all of that. And his sons went out and feasted in their houses. They had party, birthday party, everyone on his day. And Satan called for the three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them. I'm not sure exactly what that meant in that context and time, but I can tell you he was serving them. He sent and sanctified them. 
and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. He served his family, praying for his family, sanctifying his family, teaching his family. And thus he did it continually. Oh, thank God for somebody who does stuff continually. Dad sought to instill discipline in his children. He sought for us to follow and honor God. And I know my time's up. But Dad, uh, he, he sought to instill faith in us. He thought, thought to instill disciplines in us. He thought that I was lazy. He's probably right. <laughs> you know, somebody said, yeah, I saw a pair of loafers in a restaurant the other day. I said, you did? Yeah. One of them, both of them were preachers, pair of loafers in the restaurant. <laughs> he thought I was lazy. So he determined I'm going to get that laziness out of him. I don't know what he thought about you, Randy, but he bought a sawmill for the house. He worked at one, and then he bought one for the house. All summer long, every Saturday, down to the sawmill we went. You know how hard it was to get me out of bed at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning? It took the threat of the switch to get me out of the bed at 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Some of you youngins, I don't think you can handle that. I didn't think I was going to handle that. But down to the sawmill we went, and we cut logs, and we worked, and we worked, and we worked. Lunchtime come, but we still got two logs ready. We don't quit at 12 o'clock. We quit when we're done. Finally, we got those two logs done. We go eat lunch. You're talking about eating now. We put it away. We go back to work after lunch. And about 3 o'clock, it's like, whoo, I can see the last log is going up on the sawmill. And you ever see a future preacher cuss? It was when I saw a log truck rolling in and dumping those logs there. Now, Daddy couldn't hear me because the sawmill was loud. <laughs> Randy probably cussed too. I just so y'all know. <laughs> and we worked till dark. And this went on all summer long. It went on in the evenings and once school started, you know, it went on in the evening. He was determined. Now, Bonnie... She's a girl. <laughs> She's daddy's only girl. She got to stay in the house. Do whatever you women do in the house. I don't know what it is. Don't want to know what it is. Except I wanted to come in. <laughs> he instilled that into us. I can't mow my grass in two days hardly. I got to finish it the day I start it. When I prepare a sermon, I got to... Finish it the same time I start, unless God says, I ain't giving you nothing, and I have to quit. It's in me. I can't help it. Randy told me here recently, I never heard this. Randy was talking to Dad one time, and he said, why did you sell the sawmill? He said, it served its purpose. All us boys were gone. <laughs> he at least tried to keep us from being lazy. He didn't succeed much with me, but anyway. 
He sought to instill discipline in us. He taught us not to quit. Job prayed for his family, taught his family, raised his family. Dad did the same thing. He was a sinner. He was saved. He was a servant. And finally, he suffered. He suffered. Y'all know the story, Job. When I read part of that verse earlier, I didn't read the rest of the verse, did I? He was God's servant. Have you considered my servant, Job? And Satan said, yeah, but it's because you've treated him so good that he loves you. Hallelujah! That's why I love Jesus. He's treated me so good. Died for my sin. Was buried. Rose again the third day. That's why I love Jesus. I guess Satan was right to a degree, but he wasn't right in the totality. And Job suffered like no man has ever suffered other than our Savior, possibly. Job suffered. Well, Dad suffered as well. You don't get out of this life without suffering. Dad had his share of attacks of Satan. He had family difficulties. Us kids were honoring. The oldest one was the honoriest. Started earlier. He had troubles in the family. He was falsely accused within the church. By the way, you don't be a deacon without getting somebody say, you ain't doing your job. He was falsely accused. I won't go into detail on any of these. Mom said he went through something in his later years that attacked his faith to the degree that she wouldn't even tell us though we ask what it was. I'm just saying, you don't get out of this life without suffering. Even if the rapture happens today, how many of God's children have suffered some already? Yeah, you have. You buried children and buried siblings and buried parents and had uh, physical ailments and, and problems all over. Suffering. You don't get out without suffering. None of us would dare compare our suffering with Job's, but we've suffered. Well, here's the message. I only got three points. I'm going give to give them to you in about two minutes. Job's purity, prayers, patience, and perseverance were needed. It was so needed that it was written down in the Bible so that you and I could read it and understand that a righteous man will still face the devil. A man who's been saved is not protected from trouble. That we go through these things and we can trust God that he has a plan. When Job started, he didn't know. But when he got to the end, he got 10 more children back after losing 10 children. And he's got 20 in heaven today. This was needed for us. Three points. The Savior needs you to live for him. Quit making life all about you. We're bad about that in America. Well, I just didn't feel like it. Or I just didn't want to. The Lord needs you. Shoot that old donkey in the New Testament. When the man found out the Lord needed him, he said, take him. The Lord needs you. The Lord needs us all. 
Number two, your children need you to lead them. The children need us. They don't need us to be high and mighty. They don't need to see us as perfect. They know we're not. But they need our love. They need our life example. Our children need us to lead them. They need parents. They need you to lead them to the house of God. But don't just settle for that. They need you to pray for them. They need you to help them along the way. Serve God with all your heart. Lead your children. The Lord needs you to be that example for your sons and your daughters. And can I just give you this last one? We've kind of left the women out of this today, haven't we? A wife needs you to love her. I'm going to tell you, I'm not very good at that. I like to set her straight way more than I do love on her. You know, I got all this Bible knowledge, and she didn't go to Bible college. So I like to tell her what to do. Ain't none of y'all that way, are you? No, you just, we men, we, we kind of know it all. We need to love our wives. God, forgive me for not loving my wife like I should have loved my wife. God, help me to love her better. And love's an action word. One of these days, one or the other of you are going to die more than likely unless Jesus comes, which I hope is true. Until that day, love them so you'll have no regrets. Love them. Love them with your finances. Let them buy all that frou-frou stuff that just, you just see your money just burning up. It just, it's, 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 you know, it's like just sticking a match to dollar bills. Could have bought a steak. They want to buy that thing. Love them. Put up with them. They're putting up with you. Got one amen over here. <laughs> I'm done. I was going through a hard time a few years ago. I won't go into the details of that, but we do. Preachers go through hard times. People go through hard times. I was going through a hard time about 2008 or nine. Dad had been gone for about four or five years, and I went to the cemetery, Cecil. I know you do that a lot. <laughs> I, 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 I don't talk to Dad there. I talk to the Lord there. But I did sit there for a little bit, and I think, what would Dad do about this? What, what would he tell me to do about this? Speck, I know you've done this. <laughs> said, Dad, what would, what would Dad do? And there I sat in the cemetery thinking what I should do. Three thoughts come to my mind. Live for God. You only have a short, brief window. Live for God. Short, brief window. Live for God. Love Susie. Lead the children. Lead the children. Shucks, I got a great grandchild now. I hope to live to see her get rolled into a high school graduation 
maybe to a wedding. I mean, I've got big dreams. I what God has in mind. But I know this. I need to live for God. You need to live for God. We need to lead the children. We need to love our wives. God helps to do it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd move through the audience here this morning, and if there's anybody here who's never been born again, maybe they're religious, but they've never been born again. They don't have a spiritual birthday, a day when they put their faith and trust in you. You redeem them. You change them. You transform them by your power. Holy Spirit, draw them to an altar and save them. Father, I pray for every dad here. God bless them. They carry a heavy burden, I know. Goodness, I, I know my own sons and the burdens that they carry, Father. And, 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 and I know the heaviness that it can be to them. And Father, I pray for them, but not just my sons, all of the sons here, all of the daughters here. Father, I pray that you would enable us to let you lead us to live the way you would have us to live. We've got a lot of children in this church. Father, I pray over them that they'll come to know you. As soon as your spirit convicts their heart, may they flee to you. And may their parents then lead them right to honor you with their lives. Bless, I pray, now in this invitation as the pastor comes to lead it. In Jesus' name, amen.